Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Shaver, joined by Michael Brunts here on a Tuesday morning. Brunts, how uh, how you feeling? It's game week. Does this, does this feel remotely normal to you yet? No, it's, it's funny. Like, you know, at this point in the season, you're already, what, seven, eight games in. And, uh, you know, basketball should normally be starting up and you get like the confluence of seasons. But it's... Uh, I don't know. It feels like it's it's it feels right to start the season when there's like fall football weather. I, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm sitting here looking out my window at a tree at my tree that's changing colors. It's a nice shade of red and green, and it, it feels like you know Iowa and, and Purdue should be engaged in a six to three game where each team is punting inside its opponent's thirty five yard line. Yeah, I think that that is sort of the antithesis of Big Ten football. I also think you're on to something here. Nebraska fans would probably rather start later in the year where they can bust out their Apex jackets and, uh, you know, the, the cumulative cold gear that they have built up over time. Uh, if, if, you know, Nebraska fans are anything like my dad, they have an assortment of cold weather Nebraska gear which is kind of funny because they might only attend like one cold weather game every three years. But instead the season starts usually in the hottest day of September. And there's always uh, the PA announcements at Memorial stadium about making sure you drink a lot of water and uh, trying to avoid direct contact with the sun. So it is a very different type of feel uh, for, for the season to start. There's no question. Yeah. We, this week we got kind of the magical, period of time where it's that combination of shorts and hoodie weather and that's just you know quickly gone so it I I guess let's play some football and we also I guess are getting answers about what Nebraska's uh, team might look like when it sets foot in Columbus um, this weekend that that that's my way of segueing to the, the news of the week so far yeah, that was about a two out of five on the Segway scale. Yeah. Uh, you can you could do a little bit better, uh, but I, I appreciated the effort. Yeah, Nebraska has its quarterback. It turns out it's the same guy that it's been the last two years. Adrian Martinez announced by Scott Frost on Monday to be the starting quarterback for Nebraska. Not a big surprise, but as we talked about in this space last week, when he made those remarks that Nebraska was considering or that they had, you know, they felt comfortable with Luke McCaffrey and that they, they felt like there was a real competition there. I had to kind of reassess things because at no part leading up to this season, did I ever think that Adrian Martinez would be uh, supplanted by Luke McCaffrey. And, and I thought Frost's comments yesterday were sort of telling too, where he basically said if McCaffrey had a little bit more experience, they could have went a different route here. It, it really does seem like this was close and maybe even a little bit of a hint that Adrian Martinez doesn't have too long of a leash. How much am I reading into this, Michael Brooks? No, I mean, if you go back and look at what Scott Frost said yesterday, it wasn't exactly full-throated praise that Adrian Martinez had, you know, won that battle head and shoulders and was clearly the the, the starting quarterback. I mean, from his telling, both guys played well this this fall. He's been effusive with his praise about Luke McCaffrey's ability to uh, operate the offense, to score points, and, and, you know, really kind of 
direct things. And even yesterday he said, like you, like you hit on, you know, it, it really came down to an experience thing. I mean, Adrian Martinez has started for two seasons. Luke McCaffrey obviously has only played in four games in his college career, but it, that, that experience, I guess, was enough to put Adrian Martinez over the top to start the season. And I agree with you. I think that there will be a, a little bit of a shorter leash. Um, you know, Scott Frost said yesterday he feels like they have two starting quarterbacks. So, you know. You remember that, uh, you remember that Ross Ells quote from like 2012, where if you have two starting middle linebackers, you actually have none? Yeah, I mean that's kind of a the the go the go to quarterback thing too, right? That you know you, you don't have yeah you, you don't have uh you got two you don't have one. Uh, it's it'll be interesting to see how they use Luke McCaffrey because obviously they feel comfortable with him on the field. They feel like they need to take advantage of that playmaking ability in some way. It's just a matter of what that looks like. And that, that's kind of an exciting thing, you know, and, and at the same time too, I, I think, you know, what, what you, you asked about was, you know, does this create a shorter leash for Adrian Martinez? I think it does. And I also think what it does is it really kind of keeps the pressure on Adrian Martinez. Cause you know, we've heard all off season that, you know, last season, Adrian kind of relaxed a little bit in practices. He, he didn't have that, guy behind him you know having to look over his shoulder and he's got that now in a big way and I I I think uh I think that's a good thing for Nebraska but it it was definitely I wasn't surprised that Adrian's a starting quarterback I I was uh you know maybe a little bit surprised at how um tepid the uh explanation of the win was does and this is this is far more of a, a big picture question and it has a little less to do with just Ohio state this weekend in general, but it, it has a lot to do with that quarterback position. Do you feel like Nebraska has done enough in Adrian Martinez's time here to surround him with enough pieces that it doesn't feel like it ultimately is on him all the time? They're getting closer. Um, I mean, I, we've hammered on it all off season that there's question marks at wide receiver. Um, they have more depth at offensive line. Uh, they have five returning starters, uh, even though all five of those guys are not going to start this year. And, you know, I, I think too, you know, the running back position is still a little green behind Mills. So they're getting closer. I, I just think that, uh, you know, whoever is under center is, is still going to have to, you know, do a, do a little bit. I mean, it, it's not a matter of just kind of being the point guard and setting everybody else up. You're going to have to make some plays yourself. Um, you know, do you think, and, and I've wondered about this, with Nebraska feeling like they have two quarterbacks that are pretty closely together, do you feel like that changes the way that they will use Adrian Martinez in the offense towards the start of the season? I think it does because I think it basically means whatever hesitation you might have about just turning him loose as a runner has to go out the window in part because I think your team is built to really use Adrian Martinez in in the run game along with Diedrich Mills. He needs to be an effective weapon there and he wasn't most of the season last year and that those are designed quarterback runs. I mean, where he also has to be effective is getting outside the pocket in terms of pressure, extending plays, 
or simply just getting loose and, and getting upfield and getting free yardage. So I, you know, a lot of the Adrian Martinez curve is going to be graded on how he runs because last year there was an incredible amount of commentary about how he looked apprehensive, how he, <laughs> excuse me, didn't look quick, how it, it felt like he was plotting at times. I mean, I don't know how many ways I can say the same thing, but people were really concerned that it didn't look like he was ready to just take what was in front of him. And there was some throws last year that he tried to fit in where it felt like he could just run to get a first down. I think if you're Nebraska, you have to encourage that the reins are off because this offense is going to need every inch that they can find. They're going to need Adrian Martinez to be the runner that he was in 2018, where he did look a lot more, you know, almost carefree at times. Like he, he was going to go and get that yardage. And, and I don't know if something mentally changed for him. I don't know if, if Nebraska was coaching him to be more, uh, to be more careful. You know, Verduzco has never said that or certainly has never implied that. But at the same time, there was just a, a marked shift there. So I, I really think for this offense to be successful, whoever it is at quarterback has to be a real weapon in the run game. All right. So A.J. Martinez last year, and this, I believe, includes um... – sack yardage too so he carried last year 144 times ran the ball 144 times that was actually one more carry than mills last season do you think so right around 14 14 a game do you think that they go above that or do you think that it's still around that number but a little bit more designed but i mean what do you think his workload looks like as a runner from the quarterback spot well, I kind of think in some ways he's going to be the pseudo second runner for this team because they don't have an established second running back. And I don't know who it's going to be by the end of the the first half of this season, who would be the guy that you would say is directly behind Mills and, and the, you know, the, the real backup running back. So I, I think that it's going to be up a little bit from that last year. And 14 seems higher than what I remember, right? Like it doesn't seem like he had that many carries. Um, because if you go to the game log, it's just – I'm trying to think. Like, if you had to guess right now, what was the game he ran the ball in the most last year? Well, I don't have to guess, Mike. Well, you have the game log open. You're cheating. <laughs> uh, let's see. He had three times where he was over 16 carries. Illinois, Purdue. Illinois, by far, his best game, where he had 18 for 118 yards. Purdue, he only had 12 for 58. Mm. Uh, Colorado, 19 carries, 66 yards. And then Iowa, 21 attempts for 44 yards. I mean, so they, they could not get him loose in that contest. But he even just sort of looking at, at this game log, I mean, the South Alabama kind of skews it a little bit and Iowa kind of skews it a little bit, but for the most part, he was effective at times more on the, the stat sheet than what I guess my brain kind of remembers uh, from the, the 2018 season. The, it, I think what will help the, the quarterback run situation is if Nebraska can run with the backs between the tackles. Cause that was, that was really kind of tough sledding in the first what two thirds of the season last year. It seemed yeah. like they finally found something towards the end, but I think that's one area that, you know, if, 
if Nebraska's looking to really improve on, and I hope that that's one area that having Greg Austin more involved in game planning and all that other stuff will, will give them a little boost is in the, the interior run game. Um, you know, I, I think there might be a few more growing pains with, with Farniok at, at guard than maybe what people are expecting, but I, I like the look of what they have between uh, the tackles a little bit more than what they did a year ago. Um, so I, I think that would help too um, with, with maybe the workload on Adrian and, or Luke is, is if they can kind of get things going with the backs between the tackles. Because, I, I mean, you remember last year, it seemed like, you know, teams really weren't worried about that, that they weren't super concerned about, um, you know, being beaten over the top deep. So, you know, just kind of having a little bit more variety to the offense from just, you know, making teams think about things, I think would benefit whoever's playing quarterback quite a bit. Yeah, I just wrote about this on our site right now. I just oh. gave some thoughts on, on Nebraska, Ohio State. Uh, one of the things I, I wrote about is I hope that Greg Austin and Scott Frost are willing to stick with the run. In these first two weeks, I mean, you're going against really good rush defenses, at least statistically last year. Now, Diedrich Mills put up 190 against Wisconsin. That's kind of his breakout party. And it was also sort of when it felt like Nebraska flipped from what they had been trying to do east-west to going more north-south. I hope they do that again this year. I think that Nebraska should be playing through Diedrich Mills. But a lot of it's going to be, are they committed to trying to make this run game work, even against these teams that are expected to be good uh, rush defenses? So I, I think this is where Greg Austin is going to be huge because I, I think you got to have that guy in the room that's going to table pound the running game a little bit with Scott Frost. I feel like they've kind of fallen in times where they, they fall in love with some East-West movement, some screens, and they, they didn't use the run game effectively. I mean, that Purdue game – is the easy example for me. Uh, but it, it's the one where I felt like they most gave away a contest. And then it, it seemed against Iowa that uh, they, they tried to run the ball, but they also tried to open things up by going east-west too. And so I'm going to be really curious, you know, with the early portions of these games, Ohio State, Wisconsin, if Nebraska doesn't have, you know, immediate success, are they still going to keep trying to, to pound the rock with Diedrich Mills or – are they going to immediately sort of abandon that pursuit and go to a more pass-heavy offense? That's probably, too, where, where a guy like Matt Lubick helps you um, with just being a different voice, I, I think. I mean, I from the outside, it, it seems like perhaps Troy Walters maybe didn't have as much of an input in those kinds of things as, as maybe what you'd expect from uh, an offensive coordinator. Um, I, I think that Lubick's experience with – this offense, the fact that he's really been around it and, and has brought, I think, based on what some players have said, have brought some wrinkles from his other stops too, I think will help them a little bit. I mean, it's – I agree with you that it felt like at times last season it got a little kitchen sinky um, whenever the running game wasn't working. And, you know, that that's not a good place to be. Um, you know, I, and I think that's really kind of what Greg Austin's hammered on all offseason is – how do you find a couple things, get good at that, and just continue to do it? So we'll see. Um, you know, the, the, there's going to be some tall tests right out of the gates to, to see how, how willing they are to stick with things and, and just kind of keep at it. Yeah, I, uh, I completely, completely agree there. Is there – if, if 
if Adrian is one and Diedrich Mills is two, Wondell Robinson is probably the third most important person on this offense, or would you put him higher than Diedrich Mills? What does the Brunt's rankings look like here? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with your – I would probably say Adrian and then 2A is probably Mills and, and very closely 2B is, is Wondale Robinson. Um, you know, the, the wide receiver – question is a big one we you know Omar Manning is obviously still around we we don't know what his status is for Ohio State he still has he's been around the team but hasn't been involved lately in the in the full team stuff um so you know I I think it's Wandale right after Mills I think Elante Brown is probably close uh but behind Wandale and I I think after that for me, it's kind of the, the entire tight end group. It, it just – I don't want to fall into the trap of assuming that the tight ends are going to get used in ways that they haven't been before, but it just screams out that you have, when you have four veteran guys plus the potential of a guy like Chris Hickman to be, you know, a flex wide receiver, tight end hybrid type guy, to, to use those guys to your advantage and, and try to get matches in the middle of the field. So – that's probably what my list would be is, is, I mean, after Wandale, where do you go? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think you're right with the tight end thing. I, I want to be able to say someone like Alante Brown, but I don't know what exactly he's going to be. And I actually, I kind of want to go back to Wandale for a little bit here. Like what, what do we think of a second year from Wandale Robinson is going to look like because he's, we don't know who else is going to step up in terms of Nebraska's wide receivers. We know that they want to be able to play through Diedrich Mills and Adrian Martinez and in the run game a little bit, but Wondell Robinson is going to be a big factor. I think last year, 453 yards receiving, he had a couple touchdowns there. And then he turned around and he also had uh, another 340 yards rushing. I mean, do you, do you think in a shortened year he can get close to you know, nearly 100 total yards a game between rushing and, and receiving in those, those eight games that we know of, the regular season games? Is that, is that asking too much? I mean, I, I, some of it I'm struggling with is visualizing, okay, what does this guy look like if Nebraska's lining up in double tight end sets all the time? Because then you don't, have, you don't have the slot where he effectively operates out of, so you're asking him to be an outside wide receiver – how much does that change what we know of Wandale Robinson? Yeah, I think it changes a little bit. I mean, I, I think he's the guy, though, that they're going to move around a lot. Um, you know, they obviously don't want him at running back in the way that they used him last year. But I think so, – so you were asking if he can get to 100 total yards between receiving and rushing per game? Yeah. I think he can get close. Um you know, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him to catch the ball in space and do something with it. Um, you know, I, I think that was something that they didn't do enough of last year. I mean, you, you look at some of the yards that he gained. I mean, a lot of it was him just kind of fighting and, and you know, getting tough yards um, between the tackles and the, and the running game. But, you know, the Ideally, you'd like to see it kind of similar to that Illinois game last year. He has eight catches for 79 yards and two touchdowns. Northwestern, he has seven for 123. I mean, I, I think he's going to be their most consistent big 
play threat. And I, I think he will get close to a hundred a game. I, I just think that uh, he's that type of player. The question about him, of course, is can he stay healthy? That's something that uh, has, has kind of been met with uh, mixed results so far, but I, I think he can get close to a hundred a game. I think, I think Nebraska is going to need him to, if they're going to uh, be competitive in a lot of these games that they have. Yeah. Well, hey, what do you think? Should we should we take a break and then usher in Brian Christopherson, see what he has to say about things? Yeah, we we can talk. Uh, we've we've got some topics we can hit on with him. We we've got some captain talk, and also uh, should we talk crowd noise? I'm intrigued by the way the Big Ten is handling <laughs> crowd noise. We can we can work in some crowd noise. I I definitely have some thoughts. The more I've watched some of these games, both college and NFL, where there's nobody in the stadium. And there's still noise. I uh, I definitely definitely have some thoughts there. So we'll we'll uh, take a quick time out before we go. The mailbag pod will be on Thursday. This is your last opportunity. Well, not your last. You can leave us a five star review whenever you want. But if you want to get your question on the show and you want to do it for the mailbag show, you've got to do that now. Hit us up on Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a five star review. Ask a question. We will get to it next pod. We'll also be putting out. Uh, an opportunity for people to be able to do that, but we can't guarantee your question will be asked about a five-star review. All right, we will be back with Brian Christopherson and more Husker Talk on the Husker 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back. And now with us, we finally brought him in from the cold. We hope he's no longer shivering. It's one Brian Christopherson. Brian, how are you doing this morning? I'm fine. I was out uh, doing some push-ups on the, on the deck out there. So that's what was happening. You had a little too much energy for Brunson and I. We told you to uh, <laughs> take a laugh. For <laughs> yeah. a moment. You, you ripped off. I only did. How many, how many push-ups do you think you did? I only got in 3,000 because we had to get to this, uh, this segment. So I had to stop there. Now, the thing about – Brian's push-ups is that he alternates between each one. Like sometimes he's doing like the the star pattern thing. Sometimes right. it's one-handed push-up. Sometimes it's a side push-up. Sometimes well, it's a push-up and a crunch in the same motion. Yeah, I should have clarified that. That was three thousand with right with the, just the right arm. Three thousand with the left, and then three thousand diamonds. Yeah, yeah. Man. So nine. Brooks, when's the last time you did a push-up? In a while. But uh, I, I usually I usually just stick to benching. I don't do the uh, I don't I don't mess around with push-ups. Understandable. <laughs> I like to throw the I like to throw the metal around, Mike. Yeah, I have to say the one thing that's really disappointing about about the the COVID nineteen situation is that we can't all get together and in the yard and you know I can spot brunts with the push-ups and BCs over there on the pull-up bars and. Uh, we, we haven't had an opportunity to do that. We, we really miss it. We could yell at each other and encourage it like it's a, like it's a combined bench press. Come on, you got this. Yeah, next, next combine uh, or next yeah. uh, pro day, we should just get together and see how many reps we can all put up. 
after the official hand measurement. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll run away with that. Except we're lowering the bar weight to like 135 probably or something. So we can do, <laughs> <laughs> so we can actually put up some numbers. There. The bar's <laughs> at like a 45 degree angle as you're trying to like lift it. <laughs> so Brian, yeah. we, you missed the first segment. I think Mike had a question for you. Thank you, Bruns, for getting us on track here. Uh, I, I'm curious, like, what do you think Wandale Robinson looks like in his second season? Because if Nebraska plays a lot of double tight end set, we're not going to see him out of the slot a lot. And I'm curious if things change for you if Wandale Robinson's primarily operating as an outside wide receiver. I think, he, I think he's going to move around all the receiver spots. It sounds like he's been cross-training quite a bit. Um, he himself like said cross training with Travis Fisher and we're going to see him at safety and corner a little bit. No, now Matt Lubick's got his own kind of cross training industry oh, wow. going on. So it's kind of competing cross training industries. So um, I, I just am going off what he said uh, the last week. And that is, you know, he doesn't want to come off the field. Now, obviously he will on occasion, but I, I just think they're going to move them all over the receiver spots. And uh, I think they're going to find the way to get him the ball uh, out there in space 12 to 15 times a game I, I I'd be surprised if if they don't now will will he be like a punt returner too that's another interesting uh question to me um you know who's the punt returner do you guys got any bets on that who's the kick returners uh put me down for Alante Brown as a punt returner um okay. and then I have no idea for kick return. I know you guys have written about who's been back there. Ramir Johnson, maybe, or somebody. No, that was um, going to be my kick return option. Yeah. Punt return, I'm, I'm a little, little foggy on. Yeah. But, I mean, I think Wandale's going to be a guy who is in the coach's ear, you know, like, I, let's use me. Yeah, I mean, I always think back to that Illinois game last year where they're behind, and he was, you know, like – feed me the ball. I, I can win this game. And, and so I, I think, uh, I just think he's going to be all over the place and he's going to play all the time. Yeah. What uh, I, the other question I asked Brunts is, do you think that he can get close to averaging a hundred total yards between rushing and receiving uh, a game over eight weeks if he's healthy? Yeah. If he's healthy. Cause I think he'll put in a few games where he goes for 150 or 160 or something like that um and so that'll help the average out I'm sure there'll be weeks the thing is Ohio State did a good job uh shutting Wandale down obviously that was a blowout game last year and it got out of hand early but uh Wandale was kind of rolling into that game um he had had the big game against Illinois and then I think he had one catch for like eight yards and he carried it nine times for like 27 yards so uh, he didn't get a lot done against the Buckeyes last year. Nobody did. But that's going to be the challenge here in week one is, you know, Ohio State says, okay, who do they got over there? That guy is probably number one on the list, you know, most wanted Huskers uh, in Ohio State's defensive room this week. And so that's where it becomes very difficult because uh, he's, he's a marked man now. He, um, I, and uh, that's the challenge of being a sophomore. You're no longer the, the new flavor that, okay, that guy's pretty good. Now everybody knows you're good and you got to back it up with them knowing that and doing stuff to take you out of the equation. 
Yeah, I um, the the strongest memory I have of Wondell Robinson against Ohio State last year is that like on the third play of the game they ran that crossing route, and I, was it Okuda that was in coverage that just basically bumped him off the spot and picked off the pass because uh, Adrian had left it a little bit behind him on that. It was like the third play of the game. It was basically just indicative of where Nebraska was going to be. I. Re- I don't know if that's the same play. I remember the play where the pass was high for Wandale. He got a hand on it, and then I think it was Okuda picked it off on his back uh, at the goal line. It was after the drive where Nebraska was running the old fullback trap and got the crowd going. Um, but no, I think he, that I think it's a different two interceptions play. that night. Yeah, it's a different play than you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, that's. I mean, I know they're replacing some guys. But everybody on this podcast knows, everybody watches college football knows, Ohio State's going to trot out a defense of, you know, seven or eight guys who are going to be playing in the NFL at some point. That's, that's just the way they are right now. Along with, like, their seven offensive players that will be playing in the NFL yep. as well. But we're going to have plenty of time, gentlemen, to talk about Ohio State because the Husker Hypecast returns this week. Brunts told me he's already worked on his oddly specific prediction – He's going to come out firing, and uh, we're going to see what the, the hype cast has in store that'll run on Friday this week. And uh, just to tease it a little bit, we might uh, it might not just be the three of us. We might work in a, a special guest each week, and so you'll have to you'll have to tune in and see who our mystery guest is for the Ohio State game. All right, let's talk captains. Any surprises for you with Nebraska's five captains? Uh, they are, again, Adrian Martinez, Cade Warner. And then from there, it gets to Colin Miller, the Caprio Boodle, and the offensive line captain of Matt Farniak. Any surprises, Brunts? Uh, I was – I mean, I, I think Cade Warner is probably a little bit of a surprise to some people. But when, you know, from hearing his – leadership skills and, and the, the way that he's kind of grabbed onto that wide receiver room and, and led the way there. It, it's not a, a huge surprise. Um, I think he's going to be an important piece to, you know, kind of keeping things on track. And, and, you know, the, the thing about it is, is, you know, the, the team voted on it. They, it's kind of a continuation of, of the summer and the fall where these were the guys that were, leading workouts when coaches couldn't be around. And, and so, you know, I, I think those guys are, are good captains. Uh, Cade's probably the, the most random one, uh, you know, being just uh, a walk on now on scholarship. But I, I think we've kind of learned this week, you know, he was you know having guys over to his house to watch football and, and doing stuff on the grease board. I assume it's, you know, an actual grease board uh, during commercials. So uh, that that's, it makes sense when you kind of dig into it, but I think maybe at first glance, you're kind of like, huh, that's kind of an interesting choice. BC? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if like in April you had said Cade Warner is going to be one of the captains, I would have thought that was odd maybe, but not after the last few weeks and hearing everything, because I would guess probably about every wide receiver voted for Cade Warner. Uh 
I'd, I like to think of these guys as kind of like politicking for votes behind the scenes. So like a week before the captains vote, you know, kind of like, hey, you're going to, you're going to vote for me. Right. And I think he got the uh, wide receiver delegation and probably some offensive uh, skill guys beyond that. Um, so not a huge shock there. I, I assumed Adrian was going to be one cause he was last year. And I know everybody got all fired up when they saw it. Cause like, okay, that's the end of the quarterback competition. Well, I guess, but um, I, I just always thought he would, he would be a captain. He was the first guy back from the out-of-state players uh, after the spring pause, um, and he was a guy who kind of orchestrated things behind the scenes early on. So it didn't surprise me that uh, Adrian, of course, uh, was a guy that a lot of people turned to. And, it, I mean, it's a good thing that I think Luke McCaffrey, I know he wasn't a captain, and not to get back into the whole QB discussion, but one thing I notice about Luke is that he also has that peer respect in a pretty significant way already. And so that's a, that's a pretty good deal where both your quarterbacks are, are looked upon like that because that's not always the case. Yeah. I, I think that that, uh, I think that's a good point. Do you, do you want to offer any thoughts on, on Adrian and Luke? I mean, uh, Brunson and I hit on quite a bit of it, but I don't want to cheat you out of the opportunity to, to weigh in on, what was sort of an interesting week or so where it was sort of, to me, felt floated out there that it wasn't a slam dunk. Adrian Martinez is going to be Nebraska's quarterback all season. And then Scott Frost kind of reiterated on Tuesday that Luke McCaffrey could certainly insert himself into this thing and experience is the biggest thing holding him back. The only thing I would push back on is this dumb narrative that, is sometimes out there and it's probably a small percentage that says this, but I just think it's a, it's a dumb narrative. Like, Oh, okay. Some competition, you know, of course, Adrian, you know, there, I saw a little bit of that reaction from some fans and the coaches want to win. They recruited both these guys. They're going to play the guy that gives them the best chance to win. This is not over. This is a long-term process where Luke McCaffrey is going to get a chance to play at times, and this thing is going to work itself out. What Scott Frost said the other day makes a lot of sense to me. More or less, if you want to paraphrase, he said it was about a tie. You know, he basically said, you know, if Luke had been the guy who was sort of the uh, holder of the captain's chair, then it probably would have been Luke number one this first week. And uh, that actually makes sense to me. I don't think that's a bad, a bad deal. And I, I would understand why if all things are close, you go with the guy who's uh, been the starter and give him a chance to prove that he still should be that. Um, but let's not act like this wasn't a competition and all this stuff. Last year was completely different. There was a red shirt uh, blanket hovering over McCaffrey. He wasn't going to get a chance to be the starter because of it. Uh, I think he got a fair crack at it this year, and I think uh, we we all know now uh, that he uh, he's going to be a guy who's going to be heard from at that position, um, and maybe in a big way even this fall. So let's just see how it plays out now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so Brunch, you wanted to talk a little bit about stadium noise here today. <laughs> it, it's – I don't know. I Maybe my mind is just odd. It probably is, but – Maybe. Yeah, I appreciate kind of tangential topics like this that don't really matter, but kind of seem to um, to, to some people. Um, so the Big Ten 
in uh, this came from Ohio State's press release for the the week, uh, you know, previewing Nebraska. The Big Ten has provided each school with crowd noise murmur audio tracks. The volume will stay at 70 decibels, no higher, during the run of gameplay, and it can be increased to a maximum of 90 decibels during celebration moments. <laughs> so Scott Frost was asked about this last week about the question of crowd noise, and his concern was is that you'd have speakers behind the visiting bench and, you know, it would be, you know, kind of a distraction that, uh, that, that home teams could use to, to make life difficult for visiting teams. Um, so I was curious, do, what, do you guys know what 70 decibels actually is? I looked, I looked this up and it's from the fine folks at Purdue. So, you know, it's good. Um, 70 decibels. Would you guys like to register a guess of what that is? Uh, well, um, no. A truck, it's uh, like a, a big truck going too fast in a neighborhood zone. A truck going like uh, 45 <laughs> when it should be going 25. And, and, I, and you say, slow the F down, you know, Adam. Yeah, this, so this is, these are very specific things that Purdue came up with. Uh, 70 decibels as a passenger car at 65 miles per hour oh. at 25 feet. Um, a living not wrong yeah living room music is 76 decibels so whenever you're you know having a nice glass of wine with some soft jazz it's about 70 decibels um, a vacuum cleaner is about 70 decibels and according to them the, the comment is that upper 70s are annoying annoyingly loud to some people so Whoa you're apparently going to have this dull murmur of a vacuum cleaner in the background of the big 10 games, because there's no fans in the stadium. Do you guys think that's going to be an issue for some teams? I don't think it should be, but I am kind of curious. I mean, and, and I don't know how much NFL you guys have watched this year, but some quarterbacks have been pretty, like pretty good in empty stadium situations at drying off sides with their cadence. And so I can just imagine where for Nebraska, it could work the other way where Adrian Martinez is just continually getting his offensive line to false start because it never quite goes for Nebraska the way that it should. Uh, so that's sort of what I'm imagining in my head as we're talking crowd noise right now. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a big factor. Um, I get, the thing that confuses me in watching the games is sometimes the person working the sound will play something at a wrong time. I feel like, like he'll make a crowd reaction. That's a little more exuberant than it needs to be for a certain play. So I'll look up if I'm not really watching and because I'll hear this noise thinking something happened and it, it, it was nothing. It was like a three yard play, but the guy working the sound machine decided he needed to show off his skills to build his resume or something. So that's the, we need some good sound guys here. Uh, that's what I'm asking for. So according to that, you, you were saying there's been a lot of celebration moments that are not actually celebration moments. Yeah, guys overhyping it a little bit. It's like if I, uh, if I write a story about a backup uh, O-lineman and then I'm texting all you guys like, man, you got to go read this, get to the site. You know, that's <laughs> sort of what they're doing. It's like, no, no, it's just, it's just a play. Let's move on. I, I like 
I, I would like if you would text me after each article that you write. So I, I know that it's up and then I can, <laughs> I can pass it along on, on Twitter and other social media. Uh, if you want to do that, I'm okay. With it. I like the, I like the idea of the big 10 sending out um, like, you know how like in the late nineties when you, you, when you could start making like the mix CDs, like, yeah. and you had the <laughs> yeah. blank CDs. I'm imagining like Kevin Warren sitting there with his computer, just writing 14 discs of ambient crowd noise, putting them in the mail and, and, and sending them off to all 14 big 10 schools. Have you, uh, have you ever come across like, if you were like me and you made those CDs, you never actually labeled them. And so they all have the same look and color to them. So you don't actually know what's on it because you're stupid. Like I am. And then you kind of have to like guess, have you ever recently come across those and then you're trying to figure out what you actually put on those CDs? I, I think BC and I went on a road trip one time somewhere where did we go through like a pretty significant number of year old mix CDs that you had like yeah. underneath your, your passenger seat? Yeah, I still have those and they're labeled like Superfly Mix 97 <laughs> or something. Like they seriously are. I'm not even joking. And they are still in my CD case, which is massive of uh, basically if you look at my cd case it looks like the world stopped in in 2001 or 2002 and that's where music just ended um so i yeah i name them like that and it's always kind of a fun mystery like what's on this thing oh <laughs> sugar ray is on it i actually didn't use sugar ray but i but i have some stuff that i'm a little embarrassed when it plays now well, what are you what do you have against sugar ray a lot <laughs> all I, around the world i think i remember going to cover like a satellite camp in st louis with bc one year and i was i was oh, thinking to myself these are these are some pretty super fly mixes he's got here that's why i joined the team he's yeah. like get this guy on the <laughs> roster <laughs> we can we can refer to you as mix master bc from now on yes and if you guys were curious, a celebration moment at 90 decibels, that would be, according to the, fo the fine folks at Purdue, a Boeing 737 or DC-9 aircraft at one nautical mile before landing, a power mower, or a newspaper press. So, you know, all three very common things that you can, uh, you know, understand what uh, a celebration moment's going to sound like this season in the Big Ten. I like the idea of the Big Ten monitoring if anybody goes over it a little bit and they are a real stickler on Nebraska. Like they're like they send out like a, a notice after Nebraska's Wisconsin game, like actually the, the decibel meter was at eighty two after every play and um I could see that happening. They have like some secret Big Ten uh agent on the sideline figuring out that Nebraska's got the decibels cranked up five five meters higher than it should be. They, they disallow a touchdown because it was uh, a, a premature celebration moment. Yeah. That would, that could totally happen at this point with everything we've seen. <laughs> that all seems to track. It comes at a terrible time for Nebraska <laughs> where it basically then opens up whether the big 10 is trying to screw Nebraska out of a win. Like I already have this all imagined in my head. Very on brand for 2020. That can be an oddly specific prediction for someone next week when uh, Nebraska's hosting. Nebraska takes a 15-yard on sportsmanlike <laughs> penalty for crowd noise. There you go. All right. 
Uh, any any closing thoughts? I mean, it is it's game week, and we are inching ever closer to the kickoff of the 2020 season, and whatever that might look like, Nebraska Ohio State this weekend. Any any closing thoughts for you guys? We'll be back on Thursday with the Mailbag Podcast, and then on Friday the Husker Hypecast for the first time this season. Any any thoughts? No, I my la- yeah, my last thought. I'll ask one last question to get to get us out. Of all the Husker teams that you've covered, have you ever um, been more sort of in the dark as far as mystery goes concerning a team? I feel that way about this team. I have I don't really have any idea what's going to be on the field Saturday, and I don't mean that that could go either way or it could just stay level, but. I, I feel like I've never been so uncertain what's gonna what it's gonna look like. The only no, one I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think the closest for me because it was the first coaching change I ever experienced. I didn't know quite what it was gonna look like with Mike Riley in 2015 and the switch from what we had seen with Bo Pelini and then going to that offense. Uh, I, I wasn't you know that might be the closest and there's a big gap between. 2015 because you at least had Tommy Armstrong returning and everything else to sort of the just having a, a no real feel for a lot of things about this team. But the good thing for, for Nebraska, or you could argue it's not a good thing. They have a lot of returning players. And so at least you have an idea as to what these guys look like on a football field. I was going to say maybe the defense in, in 2003 is about as close as I can get to it. Like when, when, when Bo Pelini came in and, and kind of what that defense was going to look like, but I mean, overall, you know, I, I think there's a pretty wide runway for, for what this season can look like for Nebraska. And a lot of that is just because there's, there's so much that's unknown about this team and also just the situations around this season, too. It's going to be – I think it's just going to be kind of a white-knuckle ride all the way through. Yep, I agree. I, and I hope, I hope there's not an overreaction no matter how this – I don't want to act all defeatist before the first game, but everybody knows they're playing a juggernaut here. And uh, I hope, I hope there's some reasonable response to whatever we see Saturday, and an understanding that not everybody in front of them is going to look like uh, what what the team that was in front of them did on Saturday. Absolutely. All right. Well, you can be sure to check everything out that we are working on at Husker twenty four seven. Stop back for that mailbag pod. Get your question asked on the mailbag pod. Leave a five star review. If you are not a VIP member, Brunts, we got a great deal going on right now. Do you wanna do you wanna reiterate what it is? Two months of VIP access for one dollar. That's the deal. Sign up now. That will, if if my math is correct, that will give you the entire twenty twenty season. So you will know everything about Nebraska in that season if you were to sign up here today. Uh, So be sure to check that out as well. We'll be back with more podcasts this week.